five, four, three, two, one. I don't even know what's happening. Put in sport mode and you're gonna flop. And just exactly how awesome it was it. The mighty mighty Nissan GTR. You got the Mustang, the Camaro, the Challenger, the Corvette, the Viper. America. Damn, I forgot the bananas. I love this. And we'll do it live. Live, live. And we'll do it live. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Welcome to episode 17 of the Topspeed.com podcast. I am Christian Moe. And uh, I'm happy to have you here on our crazy, wild journey through the automotive landscape of the internet. Joining me is our editor-in-chief for TopSpeed.com, Mr. Justin. Hello, Justin. Hello, Christian. Hello, Top Speeders. How is everybody out there in the interwebs world? All right. Uh, this is normally where Mr. Mark comes in. He's like, hey, I'm here with my beard. But, um, Mr. <laughs> But uh, Mark is currently away on assignment to bring you guys lots of crazy, cool, new, and exciting stuff. Um, he has been with Hyundai, checking out their new Sonata. Um, and unfortunately, that's the only thing we can say about it, because driving impressions and all that stuff are embargoed at the moment. So, yeah, he's not yes. going to talk about that at all. Speaking <laughs> of Mark's beard, I suggest that we, from now on, just introduce his beard. Not him. Just his beard. <laughs> no, because his beard's not impressive enough for that. I've got a beard. You're sort of working on a mess that you could almost call a beard. Um, but I have lots of friends with, like, real beards. Like, we have a guy, like, he normally just goes by the nickname of Beard, and it's Big yeah. Beard, and he's got a mustache that he comes out and curls. I mean, like, he works yeah. hard on it. I have a couple so, friends like that. <laughs> so Mark's beard is cool, but it's not quite name-worthy or introductory-worthy, I, I guess I should say. So um, enough about ridiculous facial hair. Why do Let's we go. always start the podcast like this? <laughs> because you know what? Because um, I haven't had my energy drink yet. <clears throat> Today's podcast is brought to you by energy drinks and terrible decisions. <laughs> all right. Again, ladies and gentlemen, this is the TopSpeed.com podcast. TopSpeed.com is your internet home for all the crazy, cool, and amazing automotive things. Um, please come by and check it out. We have cars. We have motorcycles. We have ATVs. Whether you want a minivan or a supercar, you can find out about it with us. Um, if you like our podcast, don't forget you can also subscribe on iTunes. You can go there and you can also leave us a rating or a review. We love all those. We read all those, and we thank you for that. Um, also, if you pay attention to last week's show, I have gumball stuff, um, like cool keychains that say gumball, and I'm wearing gumball shirts and all that sort of stuff. It's really cool. Um, I'm going to be giving some of that stuff away. Uh, if you want some of that, just send me an email with your name and address to uh, pod, or to Christian at topspeed.com, um, and we'll I'll see if I can pick one of you guys and send it out to you. But uh, anyways, we're going to jump on into our weekly wheels. Uh, this week, we're going to start with Justin, who has been driving something from Mitsubishi. 
Yeah, I got a, uh, a week behind the wheel of the Outlander Sport SE. Um, this is the smaller model. It's not the full-size Outlander, and it, it still carries the old design language with the big uh, Lancer-like grill and all that stuff. Um, you know, from the outside, it's it's kind of a nice nice vehicle. Um, it almost kind of reminds you of the, the proportions of, like, an X1 or something like that. It has a longer hood, um, shorter overhang, so it doesn't look like the typical import or I'm sorry, Japanese uh, small crossover that you see nowadays with the hard angles and weird body shapes. It has more of that traditional compact SUV look to it. Um, you know, the outside's great, and inside the features were awesome. I loved it. You know, it had like the uh, a big 10-inch subwoofer in the back, had 710-watt Rockford Fosgate sound system, heated seats, automatic windshield wipers, all this good stuff. But then it had like this mismatched thing of features, like. It had heated seats, but they were cloth heated seats, which is kind of odd to me because really heated seats are because leather gets very cold, hard, and like makes your gonads freeze the second you touch it. Cloth doesn't suffer from that, so for putting heat heat elements under cloth just kind of baffles me. And also the rest of it is just like a sea of black scratchy plastic and the fake leather <laughs> imprints on a scratchy plastic up on top of the dashboard. It was just kind of tacky and, and really a, a mixed match of that nice stereo system and all that stuff, but then to put all the other craptacular stuff in there that kind of makes Mitsubishi what it is nowadays, it just kind of didn't feel right to me. And then there's a fit and finish issue where they put like those weird plastic covers over where other options are supposed to be, like where the four-wheel drive controller goes. There's a big hunk of plastic right there, and right where the usual ignition key tumbler is, a big chunky plastic covering that up. It just well, looked kind of other, other companies do that too. Like I thought that was that's funny. So when I had the um, Juke Nismo, same thing. It's got Nissan's fancy little smart key. And because I'm not paying attention, I go in there, and I'm like, oh, and there's this big, huge plastic like ring Looks like one of those like plugs you get in the bottom of a piggy bank, just like mm -hmm. sitting in the side of the <laughs> steering column. <laughs> it's, like, it's like guys, okay, okay, yeah, it's a two-piece, it's a two-piece uh, console. They come together in two halves. Just mold a second second half that you can just stick in there, because you know you can't walk into the dealership and say, "Well, I want this Nissan Juke, but I want you to put automatic uh, the, the keyless start in it." They're not going to do that. So why bother putting that hunk of plastic there? Why not just mold a new one? and stick it on there if the option's not included with the vehicle. I don't get it. It's not like it's a dealer-added item, um, especially the four-wheel drive one. That's not. That's no way a dealer can add that. Like, well, put my car in the shop, put it in the air, and throw a four-wheel drive under it, please. They can't do that. So why not just mold another another gear shift bezel? That's all it is. It's a gear shift bezel. And have it not have that hole. <gasps> I mean, you know, money is money. Um, yeah. And like, and and I I do have to say that um, I've got a lot of friends that are in like the weird sort of manufacturing side of the business, and like a dollar in an interior, like just a dollar comes out to be so much money in the end if you just spend an extra dollar. So I don't know. I mean, yeah. And well, <sighs> speaking of speaking of price, you know, the Outlander Sport's not that bad. It's uh, it's like 22 grand for the for the Sport SE model, which comes with a bunch of niceties in it, um, and then you add another grand for that stereo system. It's like 23.59 uh, with the audio I, system. So I mean, it's not bad. Right, and so I, I guess that's what I sort of want to forgive them for, mm -hmm. is because of their price tag. I mean, that's a ton of kit for 23 grand. Yeah, and, and like, you know it's. 
Go ahead. Yeah, that's kind of what I say in my review. You're you're getting what you pay for, and it, you can tell the car is catered for young buyers, young impulse buyers to go, oh, look, look, it has HID headlights. Oh, it has LED taillights. Oh, it has a big stereo system, and it's only 23000 Yes, I want it. And they, they sign a paper right then and there. An older, wiser, more picky buyer is going to go, well, you know, yeah, it has all this stuff, but do I really need that? You know, I can buy this other model. I'm going to go ahead and say you're a liar. Because if smarter, more intelligent buyers did that, there wouldn't be so many Chrysler 200s on the road today. <laughs> <laughs> touche, Mr. Moe, touche. But honestly, it, it, it's a good deal for the money you're paying. Yes, it's underpowered, under 150 horsepower. Yes, it has the crappy CVT transmission that is a sports oh The weird thing about this, though, it's a Sportronic. It's the exact same transmission that I had in the Mitsubishi Lancer that I raved about being because it's a CVT. It was awesome. For, for some reason, in this in this thing, I don't know if it's a combination of the, the power, but it doesn't feel like the Lancer CVT. Maybe it's because well, the Lancer all had a little bit different. Yeah, and also Lancer had an extra like thirty something horsepower, so maybe it's 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 the the actual acceleration I was feeling that made it feel so much different. This one feels like a typical slush box rubber band effect CVT. But overall, though, if you're a young guy, young gal, and you want a nice stereo system and HIDs and an SUV that has a little bit of room, it's a pretty good deal. Twenty four K. It's not too bad. Right. I mean, I I love the HIDs in my um. Golf, like I, I used to think HIDs were just sort of like meh. Now that I have them, like literally, I've been in press press cars without HIDs, and like I can't figure out why the lights won't turn on to bright. Mm-hmm. And I realize they're already on brights. So I just think they're terrible headlights. Yeah, yeah, it's really weird how how you get so used to HIDs and you get a regular one. Like when I went from the Mazda three that had like the the HIDs or the Xenons with the with a directional thing and the auto off and on. Like oh, the little beams. pointing thing. It's oh, so yeah. cool. It's oh, awesome. Like you're turning. You're like, hey, I can see the middle of the road while I turn. This is so cool. <laughs> then I get in my car and I'm practically leaning out the window so I can see where I'm going. <laughs> yep. Ugh. But um, there is a downside to those. Um, so my golf just rolled over. We're at like ninety three thousand miles on it now, and uh, one of my HIDs just just went out. Oh, hundred twenty five bucks! Yay! Um, actually, depending on where you want to get them from, you can spend as much as two hundred per bulb. But um, if you do some searching and you do a little bit of chasing, I found a place that's got uh, their Philips brand, so their name brand uh, HIDs that will fit their D1S bulbs. Um, they're $96 for a pair. Oh, dude, that's not bad at all. Right, yeah, which, I mean, you're still paying $100 for freaking headlight bulbs, but considering what it could be, yeah, it's not that awful, so I've got to do that soon. Yay, me. Yay. But, uh, yeah, you know, pretty cool pretty cool SUV, worth the money, but it's not my cup of tea, to be honest. <laughs> all right, well, that's fair enough. All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, I've got to make a quick shout-out to a young gentleman named Gary Key. He is a friend of mine who uh, is a big fan of the site. And he's like, yay, this place. So, um, yay. You know, he was talking to me about how awesome our website is, and I wanted to say thank you for telling us how awesome you are. And everyone out there, like, if you guys want to send me awesome notes talking about how awesome we are, we love hearing from you guys. I'll thank you all, too, because I love you all. I mean, we read all your questions on the podcast. We use your suggestions for own drive burn. This is as much your show as it is ours. So please feel free to chime in, comment, do all that stuff. We love hearing from you. We love having you. So, with that out of the way, um, oh, and I see Hulty is back in the chat. Hey, Hulty! I was Hulti. just going to say that. <laughs> Woo! 
Yes, we we love all of you, so please chime in and hang out with us. We, we like it. Um, so Justin was driving the uh, Mitsubishi. Uh, I don't have anything new-ish to talk about this week, but I've got holy crap load tons of stuff coming in the next couple of weeks. Um, I just had an RX 400 hybrid show up. Um, leather, TVs, is a whole nine yards. That's sitting out there. So uh, mm. I just got here, so I haven't driven enough to give you any sort of real, real impressions, so that'll be coming soon. Um, next weekend, I'm going to be driving, I believe, a Ferrari F430 um, with Gotham uh, dream, dream Cars, so I've got that coming. Um, and then a few weeks after that, I'm going to Colorado to visit the amazing people at Flying Miata and drive a bunch of Miatas with V8s and turbos and superchargers and all that sort of stuff. So um, I don't have anything really cool to talk about. The only thing I have to talk about today is um, a Mercedes Sprinter that I drove in Gumball, which we're not going to spend much time on. But I have lots of cool things coming, so sorry you have another week of me going, meh. There's stuff coming eventually, I promise. Um, But yeah, so I drove a Mercedes Sprinter. um, Yay, Christian. It was the slowest thing I've ever driven in my entire life. Oh, God. I used to sell uh, Dodge cars and back when Dodge used to bring the Sprinter from Mercedes over. Oh, that diesel engine's great so it can haul, but my God, you put your foot to the floor, it's like two miles an hour. Yeah, um, the thing literally topped out. Like, foot flat to the floor as hard as you can. I was even down a gear in fourth instead of fifth overdrive. And it's like I'm sitting, the red line on things is like 4,100, and I'm sitting at like 3,700. I mean, I have this thing maxed the hell out, and we're doing 84. (laughs) I mean, that is everything it's got. If you're going downhill with the rear wind, you, you might get 85, but like that was it. That was all she had to give. And uh, even though diesel engines are great for fuel economy, when you have them wound out like that with all the weight we had in ours, um, we were getting like eight and a half miles to the gallon out of it. So um, depending on how we were driving the Lambo at that time, the Lambo was getting better gas mileage than our freaking Mercedes Sprinter van with a diesel. Now that's pretty sorry. <laughs> it was the most insane thing, and driving it is weird. Because right, you're like up like this, the steering wheel's down like that. <laughs> yeah, the steering wheel doesn't sit. It's like laying flat in front of you, so you have to like reach out to get it. It's worse than like a school bus steering wheel, and you sit way at the front of it, and you are way up high. And um, when you're driving down the road, it doesn't feel that big until you take a turn, and then you realize there's like. 25 feet of bus behind you. You're like, oh, God! Oh, God! And uh, the brakes were the best and worst brakes in the entire world. Um, for, like, the first half of the pedal, you thought you were going to crash and die because there was almost no braking. Then once you got past that, like, halfway point, the bus would come screeching to a halt and throw everyone out of their seats and into the dash. Kristen's against some window, like... <laughs> Yeah, no, we had stuff, like, literally in a couple of slight emergency stops, like, oh, crap, traffic's or someone emerged over in front of us, we have to hit the, hit the brakes. When you tapped them hard and the brakes caught, we were launching things from the back back seat all the way up under the driver's pedals. They would fly under all of the seats, and they were like, okay, I can't use the gas anymore because there's a water bottle up here. Can somebody dive down and get that? <laughs> I'm, pic- I'm picturing like five or six journalists stuck against a window like a Garfield thing with those old Garfield emblems on the, on the window. <laughs> well, there was only four journalists on the whole trip, so 
But we did have the Russian supermodels and the PR guys and the advertising guys. And <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's, it's like the elevator thing. That sounds like the start to the worst joke in the world. Three, three journalists and two supermodels get stuck in an elevator. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, the van, yay, whatever. It was sort of weird to drive, not very fast, um, not very fuel efficient with the way we were driving it, trying to chase a Lambo. Um, otherwise, I'm going to talk about Alexis with leather and TVs next week, so stay tuned for that. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move on to the news, and we're going to start with the biggest, best news in the world. Um, <laughs> Jaguar has confirmed their new sod car, um, Special Operations Division, which is still a terrible name for any British company. If anyone out there is listening in Britain, you understand what the term sod off is. Um, and Jaguar is using sod, Special Operations Division, as the name for their, like, little tuning arm. So whatever. But anyways, the SOD Project 7 is uh, the old Project 7 concept car we got. What was that, like two years ago now? No, it was uh, 2013. I can't remember the exact... I think it was... I, think it was, I want to say it was Geneva 2013 we saw it, or maybe it was Goodwood 2013. It was only a year ago. Was it only a year ago? It feels like it's been yeah. so long ago. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Let me see. I can actually pull it up. But, uh, yeah, I mean, everyone kind of sort of figured that um, that Jag was going to bring it. Yeah, it was at the 2013 Goodwood. I'm looking at it now. Um, okay, so everyone, it was only a year ago then. Yeah, and everyone kind of figured, myself included, they were going to look into releasing it. But right, I don't but think then, it, like, nothing ever happened after that. Like, yeah, it there, just there fell were, off the radar. Yeah, there were no reports, no anything. The only thing we got from the sod arm, as you call it, is the uh, is that e the what is the e type uh, lightweights. It's the only news we ever heard about the the new special operations division. Um, and I thought when they said they're going to release a new car, Goodwood, I thought it was going to be that. I thought they're going to say, okay, cool, we'll get to finally see the uh, the e type in person, see what they're yeah, going to the do, with it, how it's going to look. Yeah, and then they completely shocked us by saying the project. Someone's like, what the? What are you doing? And, and like, like, go ahead. And to make it even more awesome, like as if awesome could get awesomer, they're making it more powerful than the the R coupe. That's what I was gonna say. Yeah, Which like it's freaking amazing. Right. <laughs> even even when they were talking about it back then, we thought, okay, this might be like a weird special edition model, like a Porsche Speedster or whatever. It's like it doesn't really have a roof. It's sort of cool and interesting, blah blah blah. But it's just a car. Yeah. And yeah, they're like, metal. now we're gonna make this. And you like horsepower? Well, guess what? You thought that 505 horsepower from our old V8 was awesome? Have 575 horsepower! Boom! You want yes. a bajillion torques? Boom! You want a top speed of 9,000 miles an hour? Boom! I mean, it's like <laughs> it's like Oprah was up there. You want I know, horsepower? Really? You want, everyone gets horsepower! Everyone! Everyone gets horsepower! <laughs> I mean, it's that is the Jaguar is really showing that. It means business here, man. It's not they're not messing around anymore. Um, for so many years, so many years. It was like, yeah, they're kind of cool. They're really luxurious, but they don't really make you go, oh my god, there wasn't much in their lineup that made you do that. But then the F-type, then the F-type R Coupe, now the F-type, oh now this Project 7. My God. I mean, I don't know how much better Jack can get in the last two years. Um, I could imagine a better a better business plan than what they have done. Right, but the thing is, though, they still have to fight numbers. Um, they're one yeah. of the smallest luxury brands in the world, which I still can't figure out because everything they make is brilliant. Um, mostly because they're using all all aluminum. Like the XJL is eighteen and a half feet long, 
and you can get it with a 500 horsepower engine, and it'll do zero to sixty in like 4.2 seconds flat. Talking a barge that will outrun <laughs> most Corvettes on the road. Talking TVs, rear massaging seats, like 900 cows worth of leather, and it'll outrun most sports cars on the road. But people don't care. And then they've got the XF, which looks just incredible. I love the way the XF looks. You know, why would I buy a 5 Series when I can have that thing? And I can get that thing in an, in an RS model with 525 horsepower and a boy racer wing. And, like, like you can get all of that cool stuff. And traditionally, they're usually a little bit less than their BMW or Mercedes counterparts. But nobody seems to want to buy them because they say Jag on the front and they don't have a round L. Yeah, that, that's that's the that's the issue. Jag is still fighting its its bad reputation from from years ago, and we still don't know if their quality is really as much better than it once was because we're kind of rolling into a new a new life for Jaguar. So they haven't really built a new tradition yet. You know, the last tradition they had was yeah, they look great, they're fast, but they have reliability issues and they have some fit and finish issues. Um, I do I, I, I do have to say on on that note, um, I may know a journalist uh, on the West Coast who, when he was brought one of the first XFRs um, with his paperwork, with his Manuni sticker and stuff like that, he also got a bag of fuses. <laughs> he didn't he didn't have to use them. He didn't have to use a single one, but he did get a bag of fuses goes, with the car paperwork. Just in case, not that we're saying anything. Here's a little bag of fuses. Um, we're just letting you know. Here you go. We've we've totally fixed all the things that are wrong with this, but just in case we're lying. <laughs> I'm sorry. I thought you were about to say they had to sound like a confidentiality agreement. If it dies on them, he didn't say anything about it. No, but honestly, no, no. I think what Jaguar is doing, Jaguar showing what they can do with the top end. Jaguar can say, look, we're going to kick BMW's ass, we're going to kick Mercedes' ass, we're going to kick Aston's ass in all these ways. And now we're going to bring out the XE, our volume car. This is going to be our volume car. This is what's going to make Jaguar its money. Um, it's just going to fight the three series. It's going to be probably significantly cheaper than, than the three series across the board. Um, and on the top end, it may even be faster than the M3. I don't know. Um, right. I think that's, that's a great be- business case to do it. Like you use these cars like this Project 7 to drum up lots of excitement about the brand. Like with BMW, most people don't buy M3s and M5s and M6s because they can't freaking afford them. They're a billion damn dollars. Mm-hmm. But that brand name has this cachet behind it. So if you can use these sort of special projects cars and stuff like the F-Type to build that brand image again – and then when everyone's like, man, I wish I could afford a Jag. That'd be so cool to have a Jag. You're like, here's a cheap Jag. Boom. Boom. Like, Yay! 30000 bucks. <laughs> Jumping all yeah. over it. And I think that's what they're doing. They're trying to build a brand image, give them the halo cars, give them the higher-end cars, and then say, hey, here you go. Here's one you can afford. Um, and that's kind of making its way around the around the luxury car road, period. But Jaguar's doing it in – a different way because they're just restarting everything. BMW, Mercedes have done it here recently, but they've had that name forever. So you have the the CLA and you have the uh, the One Series uh, that that are kind of fitting that niche for BMW, Mercedes, but they've had that name forever. So it doesn't help them quite as much. Right. That's that's just them chasing money. Mm-hmm, exactly. Um, all right. Well, let's move on to more exciting, fast and powerful <laughs> machines. Um, we're going to start with a pair of topless Ferraris. Uh, I want to talk about the TRS first. 
So um, we broke news about the uh, TRS. I wrote a piece about that a week and a half ago, I guess, two weeks ago. Um, Jalopnik had gotten hold of some photos of a new uh, Ferrari SP model called uh, the F12 TRS. We didn't know much about it other than it was based on an F12, and it didn't have a top. Um, almost totally new exterior design. Um, no roof, really cool slanted, like, dark cockpit windows and little double-bubble rear end. Um, a little more aggressive looking than the F12. Got rid of the weird gold teeth grill look on the front. I hate the front of the F12. Oh, I, oh my the God. The F12 yeah. is beautiful, but that stupid, chintzy, smiling, goat mouth grill. I'm like, ha, ah, ah. Yeah, that's hideous. It's almost as bad as Yakker knows. <laughs> yeah. But um, so that car is now official. Uh, they announced that at the uh, Cavalcade event um, in Sicily. Um, not much changed, like not as not as much as I, I thought. Considering that we were rumored to have a four and a half million dollar price tag on this thing, um, I thought the F12, and considering how aggressive the body looked, I thought the engine was going to be tuned up a bit. Um, I thought maybe they might even be trying to see if they can get the all-wheel drive system from the FF, or maybe the hybridization curve system from the LaFerrari. But none of that's true. Uh, it's just an F12 with a different body on it, exact same engine. Um, th granted, that doesn't mean the car's slow. You're still got like a 217-mile-an-hour top speed, 730 horsepower or something. Uh, car is not slow or you know weak in the power band by any stretch of the imagination. But um, considering how expensive the car was, I really thought they were going to try and push that a little bit. Well, that that four point something million dollars, I don't think that was ever really con confirmed. And I, after seeing what they did to the car, I I can see a million and a half, maybe two, but four and a half, I don't see four point five million dollars worth of work, unless there's stuff underneath that we're not seeing. I mean, it's got uh, a Ferrari badge on the front of it. Oh yeah, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> Ferrari could charge anything they that, wanted. That is very true. But what's really cool here right now is. You know, for a special project, this is a, a Ferrari SP project, correct? Yes. Okay, Ferrari special projects um, really hasn't been too overly um, public about all their releases. But it seems like with each new car that rolls out, they're getting more and more pub public about it. They're, they're now releasing all kinds of press images and all the information on a more regular basis. I wonder if, if they're, they're trying to push people more to, to get these things, to get the publicity. Um, um. I think it's more somebody realized. So like the SP, the, the special products division, was more or less started for people with more money than sense who thought a normal Ferrari is just not exclusive enough. And like sometimes it is purely for performance, like James Glickenhaus and his um, P45 Competizione and the P45 road car that he had made from that. Like that is pure... I am the world's biggest petrolhead, and I want something that embodies my gasoline-swilling nature. And that's cool. But a lot of this is just, well, when you're an oil sheik and everyone else has Ferraris, your Ferrari won't work. So it used to be you got your Ferrari chromed, but now everyone else is doing that also. So what else can you do? You contact Ferrari and have them build you an exclusive one-off that nobody else in the world will have. And so that's, that's kind of what the bread and butter and the heart of the special projects division is is that sort of stuff. People who want the most unique, most expensive cars they can get to show off to their friends. Basically, like that's, that's what this is. But when you these cars get publicity because they didn't before, mm -hmm. now that these cars are getting lots of publicity, you have other people now who may be interested in this. 
So I wonder if Ferrari is trying to build on that brand image of the SP division and be like, look at this guy. He paid $4.5 million for this super cool new F12. How Imagine what five million will get you. <laughs> kind of, yeah. And so they're just I think they're just using it as free advertising, which is let's let's be fair. Um our being in our business, we do two things. We are consumer advocates to let people know what to buy and what not to buy, what's shit and what's not. But um also when a when a company builds a good car, we want to talk about it because it's a good car, so that's free advertising for them. That's basically the two big it's a dual-edged sword for us. We're here for the customers so that like all of you guys listening and watching know what's cool and what's out there and what's good and what's not. But at the same time, when we sit up here and we talk about how cool something is, that's just free bonus advertising for whoever owns that car. Um, yeah. So I think they're kind of leveraging that a bit to get more people interested in instead of buying the uh, normal Ferraris, buying an SP Ferrari and spending all the money in the universe to get one. Yeah, but I gotta say it is a beautiful car. Um, I love what they did with it. I think they did a fantastic job. And whoever designed it, uh, I didn't see who designed this. That Pininfarina, or is it someone else? Uh, it might have been, but I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, I can't see it in here. But it's a beautiful car, and I think they did they did wonders with what they had. Uh, here it goes with the Kanye glasses. They're not Kanye <laughs> glasses. They're my cool '80s glasses. Every I don't... every time I put these on, I want to sing. I wear my sun sunglasses at night. I don't, I don't think I don't remember seeing those in the 1980s. I was born and raised in, in the 80s. Yes, I'm giving what? age away. I don't look. Not, they are they are they are totally just they they have to be plastic they, round frame glasses. But they have to be multicolored. They have to have hot pink and lime green on them. Okay, but look at the lenses. They're green and blue and purple. Well, yeah, but that doesn't count. You can get that anywhere. And you, they've you, got you, lime green here on the side. Look, they have them without chrome green. <laughs> There are two glasses you can qualify as 1980s: the multicolored ones with the hot pink and hot green, or aviators. Okay, well these are an aviator style to begin with, and again they've got multicolor lenses like the old jump jumpsuits, and you can't quite tell, but this frame is not black; it's actually green. It's Whoa. like a dark green with green chrome and blue, purple, orange, green lenses. That uh, when you look through them, they're actually orange. Let's see if I can make that work. <laughs> they're orange. <laughs> Did you seriously just put your sunglasses up? <laughs> oh, my goodness. So okay. I can keep track of visions in my mind. So I can keep track of visions in my mind. Visions are voices. <laughs> visions, that's how the song goes. Corey Hart. Oh, so I, I forgot most of the 1980s music. <clears throat> She's deceiving me. <laughs> Not my authority. Okay. Uh, okay. We're going to move on Moving to more topics. More topless Ferrari action. Woo! Um, the Ferrari 458 Special, which is the newer, faster version of Ferrari's mid-engine king, the 458, is getting a topless version, like every car that they do. Um, not exactly a big surprise, but it's still exciting because by all accounts, the 458 is probably the best Ferrari you can buy. Um, it's one of the best driving cars you can buy, and then the Special makes everything better. And then having everything that's better with unlimited headroom makes everything that's better the best. So, uh, yeah, Ferrari 458 Special Spider could be the best car in the world. Or do you think I'm an idiot? That is a very quick uh, analysis. <laughs> this is better, that's better. It's the best car ever. Well, but, like, that's that's sort of how Ferrari does things, like, always. Like, there are no surprises. When the 458 was announced, 
We're like, okay, so now we have this car. In a year or two, we're going to have a convertible version of it. And then a year or two after that, we're going to have a faster, more powerful version of it. And then after that, we're going to have a convertible version of the more powerful, faster version. That's how Ferrari does it. Oh, yeah. I mean, they have a very yeah, they have a very defined blueprint for how they put out cars. It's no mystery. Um, but but you know, hear, hearing about it is still cool. You know, it's still like, all right, awesome. Like, you're so surprised, but you knew it, is, knew, knew it was coming. There's no big shock. Yeah, it's not a shock, but it is still exciting. Um, yeah. I've, I've got to take these off. I can see myself, like, moving in the screen. <laughs> I'm Stevie Wonder. Um, <sighs> sorry, I, I have the sunglasses because these have really super crazy fancy lenses that are supposed to be good for driving that I'm testing. Uh, you guys will hear more about that soon. I also have some that look like John Lennon sunglasses. And uh, these ones I have because instead of the orangey tint, they've got, like, a purpley gray tint <laughs> and I look like John Lennon okay but if, all the people if you are listening to the audio feed you have to <laughs> I check know. Out the video feed and watch Christian be a complete moron as he puts the sunglasses up to his camera it's very I know. like I love everyone who listens to the audio but you're missing so much ridiculous stuff that we do on the video because we know you can see us so we're all like la 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 um <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, the 458, it is, it is exciting, and like I want to get behind the wheel of one of these. I have not met – I take that back. I've met one person um, who hasn't said that like it's the best car in the world to drive. And to be fair, the one guy that I've talked to who doesn't think it's the best car in the world, the thing he doesn't like about it was my original complaint with the um, GTR, and that's simply the fact that at normal safe speeds on normal roads – you just can't reach its potential. It's um, one of those cars that anything below 100 miles an hour doesn't feel like it's moving. It doesn't feel alive. It feels terrible and broken, and it doesn't like you, and it wants to go faster. And it's not until you reach literally like speeds that are not only will get you arrested, but are just plain stupid and dangerous to do on any sort of public road anywhere. Like it's that's that's it. And so until you get to that level. The 458 Special is just – it's just too much car. Um, so aside from him, everyone is like, this is the best car to drive in the whole wide world. So, And then the Special, again, is just a more powerful, lighter weight version of that, so it's betterer. And better. then when you cut the top off, it's the betterer wrist assist. Better, better wrist, 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 wrist. Okay. Betterer wrist assist. Betterer wrist. Okay, it's not gooder. It's betterer wrist assist. Yes. Oh, ears. okay. Yeah, you know, I kind of it's three issue. and two ists. Oh, okay. I kind of <laughs> took issue with the guy that said that the 458 is not his, not the best car in the world. You know, if I'm gonna go spend 200 and some odd thousand dollars on a car, and then I turn around and say, you know, it's really just not the best car in the world. That is the day when I just am ready to call it quits. And well, just no, 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 no. Away. He didn't. He didn't buy it. He's one of. He's one of our fellow journalists. He's one of our colleagues. Oh, okay, okay. I, I thought he was someone that bought it. I was gonna say. No, what? no, 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 no. Then he probably would have just traded it and bought and, and and bought something else. But what it came down to is, below seventy-five or eighty miles an hour, the four-five-eight Special is not that much better than a C7. Yeah, that's fair enough. That's that's yes, what I expected. Yes, the interior is nicer. The interior is nicer. It makes a better noise. But when you're saving two or three hundred thousand dollars between the C7 and the 458 Special, you can sort of forgive some of those little quibbles. 
Yeah, yeah, that that uh, that that will definitely uh, ease the quibbling a little bit, I think. Plus, plus, <laughs> you you get a manual in the Corvette. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Case closed. <laughs> Three pedals. <laughs> All right, uh, we're gonna move on to more super ridiculous fast things. Um, so Audi has RS models. We know what those are. We love those. Um, they are the highest tier ultimate performing Audis that you can buy. Uh, one of my favorite is the RS6 Avant because it's an A6 wagon, so it's all of this room and space and comfort and nice interior quality, but it also happens to have, like, a million horsepowers in it. Um, I believe the base RS6 Avant isn't at 535 horsepower? Um, oh, my goodness. I am not five, too sure. 550, maybe? Somewhere, Somewhere between 525 and 575, like, that's a lot of horsepower, like Ferrari levels of horsepower inside of this family wagon with all-wheel drive. And uh, now a dealer in the UK has accidentally leaked and posted up on their site um, that a plus model is coming, the RS6 Plus. And uh, what plus means is more power, more speed, more awesome. Um, 600 More gooder assistance. <laughs> um, 600 plus horsepower out of your family wagon. Well, so, hang on, hang on. Uh, we got to correct that. It's 600 PS, which is actually oh, 592. So 592? Yeah, 591. 591. 39 okay. horsepower more. You know what? I don't care anymore. It's not 600. Next story. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> that, that's, what makes, that's what always makes like Lamborghinis and the McLaren 650s. It makes them all kind of weird is because when they come here, it's like, yeah, it's a 650. 650 PS is actually 640 horsepower. Sorry, guys. <laughs> yeah. The Lamborghini LP700, which is 681 or 600. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's close enough. Yeah, Which, good enough for us. You know what? To be completely fair, when you're like, I have 688 horsepower, or I have 700 horsepower, at that point there is no difference. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you take your 102 horsepower Mazda 2 and take it to 115 horsepower, like that's a noticeable difference just based on percentages. Once you're above 600, like. 10 horsepower doesn't mean anything. Yeah, yeah. It's me. <laughs> yeah. You know, I kind of wonder about leaks like this Audi because um, I really question whether or not these dealers and, and automakers are like, hey, hey, slide that online for five minutes. Just pop it online quickly. Send an anonymous tip to someone. Get them to write a, a piece about it so we can get some free Advil off of it. Um, just like you know, part of the, the, our existence is to be advertising firms for free. Um, so I'm always curious if purposefully uh, in a way. I think some companies maybe do sometimes, especially when they're not sure what the response is going to be to something. Mm -hmm. right? Like, um, you know, I'm trying to think of a really good example. But if there's a car company that doesn't traditionally do something that's really crazy and really interesting and they're kind of interested in how people might react, they might do that. But this is Audi, and this is an RS6 model. They don't need to leak it to get us excited about it. If they just came out and said, look, 600 horsepower RS6 plus, every, every Tom, Dick, and Harry in this biz would have written about it. We just would have because that's an awesome and cool thing. Um, so I don't think this scenario is one of those. I think this might just be you have a uh, dealer who just – has somebody who's like, hey, we're going to do this up, and somebody hit the wrong button. Instead of save to draft, they went save to publish. Oops. Oopsies. And, and then, and you, go ahead. 
you have to wonder who the who the journalist is that catches that thing too. Is this some some guy just sitting on the ice like a refresh, 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 refresh? Oh look, look, look! <laughs> well, sometimes it just randomly happens. Um, so for ex- example, um, when Dodge officially released the uh, Hellcat stuff uh, a couple weeks weeks uh, ago, we knew about it about 15 minutes before everybody else did. Because I was randomly searching through YouTube, and uh, I wanted to look up a piece on, I think, a Viper or something. So I just went to the SRT website or the YouTube page, and boom, it was like uploaded 15 seconds ago, the Hellcat engine. I was like, holy crap. And I opened up the video, and I forwarded the link to you, Justin. And by the time you got the email and opened it up, the video was pulled down. Yeah. Like, they put it up and, like, oh, crap, we're not ready yet, and they pulled it down. And so we were actually working up a piece on it. We thought we were going to have this really cool exclusive. And then, like, 20 minutes later, the post went back up, and all of the PR material hit the website. But so they accidentally put that up just a few minutes early. And, yeah, I just happened to be at their site looking for something when that happened. I was like, oh, yay! <laughs> yay me! So, you know, it's it's just sort of weird. I mean – it wouldn't surprise me if there is somebody out there who's just like, I'm looking for stuff. I'm looking for stuff. <laughs> looking. There are five keys worn to a nub. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, that's just creepy. Um, moving more on. Things, more things people on audio can't see. My yeah. creepy eyebrows. Uh, <laughs> oh, let's not forget the awesome commercials that Jag did later uh, with the good to be bad motto. Holty's chiming in on the YouTube chat. You know what? Back to Jag real quick. You're right. Like Jag's doing a lot to really push their sort of name forward. Good catch, Holty. Thank you. See? Join us on the chat. You could get your name said, and we'll talk about the things you want to talk about because you people are awesome. You know, my favorite Jag video was the one where they were making fun of the magic body control from uh, Mercedes. Oh, my God. The chicken <laughs> thing? And it was the kid, like, you just see chicken feathers? <laughs> oh, that was- I, my favorite part was, was a scientist holding a chicken. He looked so creepy. Like He's like... <laughs> like chicken. You got to you got to get the creepy eyes. So the so so the creepy eyes you drop your eyebrows and then you open your eyes real big. <laughs> creepy eyes. I got a chicken. <laughs> I don't know why but I practice facial expressions on a regular basis. Oh my god. I I know. Okay, <laughs> more Audi. Um, yes, yes, more Audi. Audi, which this isn't too much of a surprise. Um, Audi plans to develop an entire range of full electric cars. So um, they raced diesel hybrids in Le Mans. They've been working on their e-tron project for, God, seven or eight, nine dozen years now. It's been off and on, off and on, off and on. It's Well, the stuff we know about has been off and on, but this has yeah. been in continual development for at least a decade. Yeah, yeah, we know they've been working on it. And they say, okay, yeah, we're going to actually maybe consider this for reality. Then it's, well, no, we're not. We're going to back off because the battery technology is not there. We can't get the range. The batteries are too heavy. So the car doesn't perform how we want. Um, but now it looks like it's pretty much a go. Uh, last I knew, the CEO had said it's a go. We're working on it, and we're going to release it. Uh, that could change next week. We don't know. But right. what so. this gives us is is more options now. It's opening up the book to hit the mid-range uh, electric vehicles. Because really, like I mentioned in the piece, you know, the electric vehicle has been kind of a, a mixed a mixed bag for people. You know, you have on the cheap end, you know, you get the Mitsubishi I-M-I-E-V, but you get all of what, 62 miles off of 22 hours. 22 hours. That's 22, guys. 22 hours of charging. 
Well, that's 22 that's not... of hours out of a basic wall port. If you do a 220, it's a lot quicker. But it's not a lot quicker. It's eight to 14 from a from a 220. Well, okay, but eight hours is way less than half. Eight to 14. Remember, it, it's probably gonna be closer to the 14 range. But and then you have the Tesla Model S. 300 miles on a single charge, 0 to 60 in 4.4 seconds, supercharged stations going all over the nation. You can drive across country for absolutely free if you pay for 2000 pay 2000 bucks on a base Tesla Model S to get the supercharged package or free with the performance model. Um, and you go forever. But it's almost 100,000 bucks. So what I think what we're going to get with Audi here is kind of the between models. Um, they're going to base it on I'm trying to remember which uh, uh, the MLB platform um, so basically, we're going to pretty much... The MLB or the new MQB? Uh, from what I read, it was the MLB, which okay. is like the A4, A5, A7, yeah, A8. It's the, yeah, it's a slightly, slightly larger one. Yeah, so probably what we're going to see is all these MLB uh, vehicles get an electric version. Probably going to get the Q8 first, because um, that's the big one we've already caught testing. Um, and Audi's already pretty much confirmed that one. Uh, they're saying it's going to shoot somewhere around 250 miles of range. Um, so it's going to be right up there around the Tesla Model X when it finally does come out, which i got to say is an awesome vehicle, and I wish I could afford it. But um, Then we'll probably see things like the more mainstream ones, like the A4 and A5, probably follow it up with the Q5 coming later. Uh, but really what it's going to do, it's going to give us something in between the El Cheapo Stinko IMIEV that looks like a robot and gets 62 miles, and the super awesome Tesla Model S for 100,000 bucks. We're going to get models in the middle of that range, so people like you and I might actually be able to consider it sometime in the future. Right. Um, and I mean, it's sort of weird that Audi's announcing this now, especially right after Tesla's like, hey, here's all of our patents. Boom. Yep. Go and free I into the world. Yeah, I brought that up in the in the piece that I wrote. It's like it's I doubt that Audi's gonna really rip Tesla's technology, but I will guarantee you that Tesla's saying we're gonna let everybody have our patents, influence their decision to say, okay guys, let's push these blueprints. Oh, sorry, let's push these blueprints. <laughs> let's, no, push these blueprints. <laughs> let's push these blueprints forward and move on with it. Um, I think that had something to do with it. As um, long I as, ev like, I want every electric car company in the world to at least use the supercharger technology, the patents that come with that. Yeah. Because that is incredible. The fact that you can sit down, and it's, people think, well, you still have to wait 45 minutes or an hour or whatever for a full charge, and that's way longer than gas. Well, yeah, but think about it. 300 miles of range. So if you're going 60 miles an hour, that's what, seven hours of driving? Mm-hmm. Most people after seven hours of driving, even if you're going to make a really long day of road tripping like I usually do where you drive 15, 16, 17 hours in a day, after that six or seven hours, you want to stop and get food. So you mm -hmm. stop, drop your car on the supercharger, go into the restaurant, spend half an hour, 45 minutes eating, come back out, go to the restroom. By the time everyone's stretched and gotten back in the car and gotten comfortable, you're through your full 45 minutes or an hour it takes yeah. to charge your car, and boom, you've got six more hours of driving to go. Like, well, here's the deal. Here's the deal with the supercharger thing. Um, it's not an hour, amazingly. It's 28 to 30 minutes, give or take. Um, uh, I thought if you had a completely dead battery to go to a completely full battery, it was oh, like 45 I'm, minutes. I'm sorry, yeah, it's 20 minutes for a half charge. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm on their yeah. site now. Um, but the cool thing about superchargers, they're going to put it near all the, all the amenities. They're not going to throw it out in the middle of Timbuk 8. You're not going to be driving down you know, I-75 in the middle of, of, of BFE somewhere and pull up the side of the road and say, I'm going to go to the supercharger network. 
No, it's going to be somewhere in a city that's nearby a restaurant or a cafe or a shopping center or something like that. You can say, okay, let me plug this thing in. Let's go do some shopping. Go hang out and come back and your car is charged. And it's free. Free. Yes. God, that's such free. a big deal. I mean, this is the amazing thing with Tesla is, is, is Elon Musk does not need the money. He just wants the technology put out there. He doesn't need no. the money. He's like, he's like, dude, I got a rocket ship. I don't need money. <laughs> I own spaceships. <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah. You, you want you want free stuff? Fine. I'll be in outer space. Call me if you need me. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, like he's he's one of those cool people that he's like, yes, I have all the money and brains in the world. And what am I going to do with that money and brains? Try and make this world a little bit better. Yeah, and that's – and that's commendable. I mean, he he really is doing it. He's putting his his money literally where his mouth is. <laughs> I think he has like hundred dollar bill sandwiches. <laughs> oh, I, hundred dollar bill sandwiches, please. He's he's like probably one of the few people that has like a five thousand dollar bill or something crazy like that. <laughs> Whatever the biggest number is that they used to make, he probably is one of the people in the world that has it. Yeah. <laughs> so I've got some million dollar bills. Could you uh grind these up and put this in my ice cream? <laughs> Yeah, I'd like to buy that uh, that Bugatti Viron over there. Here's one, two, three. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so we're gonna move on to more fast things, but slower fast things. <laughs> um, we've got pictures of what appears to be a new uh, Scion FRS Toyota GT86, a uh, lightweight model. Uh, big wing, aggressive body kit stuff. Um, black hood, trying to you know, lower the weight even more to give the car some better performance. Uh, Justin, want to talk to me about this? Yeah, they caught it on the Nürburgring. Um, it has carbon fiber hood, carbon fiber roof, carbon fiber trunk lid, obviously trying to drop that center of gravity down even further. Um, it looks as if the suspension's a little bit lower in the pictures, but there's really no confirmation because we couldn't walk out there the tape measure and measure it. Um, you know, in a big wing, it's obviously a tuner-inspired vehicle. Um, it's not your standard run-of-the-mill GT86 that has some massive body kit and has a whole lot of nothing besides the body kit. They're obviously doing something with it. And this story was compounded by the fact that, or not the fact that, but the rumors that uh, Toyota is possibly going to get rid of BRZ, or rid of BRZ, rid of Subaru in this whole partnership. Um, the uh, One of the engineers behind the whole project said that uh, they are considering just getting Toyota out of it and moving the 86 project over to the BMW side because we all know Toyota and BMW are now in cahoots to make some kind of sports car, and it looks like this 86 package may be moving that direction. And uh, Toyota talked about they want to do performance models, maybe even hybridization with the uh, uh, GT86 FRS, talked about moving it to smaller displacement with turbocharger, which is all a whole bunch of no-nos, according to Subaru. Well, but so here's the whole thing about that, though, with the John Lennon glasses on, is um, this this car is not a Toyota. This car is a Subaru. Subaru. Mm -hmm. The chassis design, the engine, the suspension, like all of that is Subaru. So, yes, Toyota can take the name, but, like, I can tell you right now with how low that hood is and the way the car is set up, none of the engines that BMW makes will fit inside of that engine bay, really. Like, not not without some serious modifications to the way the car is. Um, what I'm actually wondering if, if what's going on here is all of those carbon fiber bits across the top center of the car to lower its center of gravity is Toyota trying to appease 
Subaru because everyone wants forced induction, and Subaru says no because the whole point of this car was to make the best handling car we could possibly make, and the center of gravity was key to that. It has the lowest center of gravity of any production car in the world. There is no Ferrari, Lamborghini, Maserati, nothing you can buy anywhere has a lower center of gravity than the BRZ. So I wonder if Toyota is trying to maybe do some testing to lighten up the top center of the car to offset any extra forced induction bits they may be putting underneath the hood to see if they can justify the cost of lightening the car and adding things like carbon fiber or extra aluminum or that sort of stuff while adding the forced induction to keep that center of gravity low and to keep the people at Subaru happy. Does that make sense? It makes sense, but then you turn around to the report about getting rid of Subaru, and it was actually... But it wasn't, that's but still it really rumory. That's still really well, rumory. It wasn't a rumor. It came straight out of the mouth of a Toyota official. I mean, and the, the name and everything, it was... Uh, right. Uh, the chief engineer on the 86 project. Was there, it him? I thought it was somebody said that he said it. Not according to well, I mean they. I, it was of course a report from him. I mean I didn't walk up to him and say, hey, by the way, what about this? Um, well, came I from know. Here. I know you didn't. Um, I thought the original story that broke this was like we heard that he said this. Um, well, according to Drive, who it came from, um, they literally asked asked him what. Okay. What about it? Um, and okay, it really I missed that part of story. part of part of the story. Then I will allow this to. I shall allow this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to see. Uh, let's see. Yeah, chief engineer. They asked him if uh, the German brand could be re- could be part of the next 86 project. He said maybe, but it's not to be decided at this point. Um, so, and he wouldn't say anything about whether or not Fuji Heavy Industries, owner of Subaru, uh, would be involved in the next project, the next 86 project. So it could very well be the GT86 goes away. Well, uh, but why would it, though? But, but the 86 project can mean a lot of different things. There could be the GT86, there could be another 86 in the lineup. We don't know. Um, so this could just be, hey, no, there's going to be another 86 coming, it just won't be the GT86. Right. Well, and I I hate this idea that just because Toyota's going to go away means the BRZ is dead. The car is done. The car is designed. The car is manufactured. All of the engineering work is done. There's no reason that Subaru can't keep building them and just not make FRS versions. Well, it depends on. I'm not sure if they both own the name or if Toyota owns the name and is light and is is. Uh, License to get to, to Subaru. I don't. I don't know who owns the whole group of names. Are they owned individually by each company? We don't know. And also the the, the design of the car. It's a like design of the car actually co-owned by the two. It's a chassis co-owned. I know Subaru built it, but is that co-owned? The fuel injection system we know is Toyota. Um, well, right, so but what is to stop Subaru from saying, okay, let's say Toyota does own all the names and all the rights. What is to stop? Subaru from just going, okay, fine, we're going to make a slightly different body, patent that, and that's going to be the second-gen BR, BRZ, boom, we're done. Great, then that's, right. that, that could happen. Um, you know, that is a, a definite possibility, but it all depends on how well the BRZ actually sells. Um, right now, from my understanding, it's, it's overtaken the FRS in the U.S., but the FRS had a nice head start on it. Um, but as of now, from what I know of, the BRZ is ahead of the FRS. Um, yeah, and, part of part of that original problem was BRZ stock. Um, they were building more more FRSs than, than BRZs to begin with because they didn't think they'd sell that yeah. well. And really, I mean, and and the BRZ is really a niche vehicle within Subaru's own little niche. 
it's not really your typical Subaru. I mean, everybody knows that. It's not all-wheel drive. It's not four doors. It's it's a sports car. It's not a Subaru car. Right. Um, I think it's something Subaru allowed to happen to try to grab some profits. Um, that's well, honestly they've, been, what I think they've I, been doing that with it. And they have been now, but whenever they have to turn around and develop the car themselves, are they going to be willing to front the kind of money to build a car that does not fit the Subaru brand? Well, but... Again, all they would really need to do is just change the exterior design a bit. Um, they already have a direct injection system. It's in their FA20 engine that's in the new Impreza. Like, mm-hmm. they already have that stuff. If for some reason they can't, for some strange, strange reason, they can't use the direct injection system that's in the engine that's in the BRZ, they could just use their other direct injection technology. They can modify that engine just a little bit to get rid of any sort of Toyotiness in it and then just make a slightly new body. There wouldn't be that much cost in it. Yeah, but again, this all goes back to that same point of where do the patents lay? Uh, who has them? Are they co-owned? We know does Toyota own what? Because you got to remember, Toyota owns 20% of Fuji Heavy Industries. So whatever the uh, Subaru owns, Toyota owns 20%. So that in itself could say, hey, you know what? We can't do anything with it. <laughs> See, people, the car industry is complicated. Oh yeah, it's a big mess. <laughs> All right. Well, we need to, we need to get moving. We're gonna run. We're we're running running short on time today. Um, we're gonna jump into questions. Um, first question is from Carl Knox again. What up, Carl? Thank you for hanging out with us and giving us questions. We really appreciate he's, it. He's um, bringing guys, it on, isn't he? Yes, he is. It's super awesome. I love having having these questions. Um, so guys, I have a question for you. What, in your opinion, are the top three cars on the market today that are very overpriced considering what they have to offer? Um. I'm going to go ahead and put some stipulations on this. We're going to leave out supercars in general mm-hmm. because the whole point of a supercar is beyond the scope of a normal car. So being like, oh, a Ferrari F12 is too overpriced because it's not that much faster than a GTR, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna skip all of that. We're going to stick to more mainstream, name, mainstream brands and names and stuff. Is that okay with you, Justin? That works for me. Mine are very mainstream. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll go ahead and let you do your three first, and we'll see if I agree or disagree. We'll go <laughs> okay. My three, it's very, very simple. The Acura RLX, the Acura TL, and the Acura ILX. Enough. That's it. Done. I'm not going to comment any further. They are all three. You can get the equivalent Honda for cheaper with more options, almost the same power, same handling by a Honda. Screw Acura. I disagree with part of that statement, mostly because of super handling all-wheel drive. Well, the the SHAWD models, those, uh, I, I will say they're slightly more expensive, but especially when you're looking at the RLX against like the Honda Pilot. Um, you mean I'm the RDX? Not, I thought you said the RL. Oh yeah, sorry, the RDX. RLX is sedan. Um, yeah, sorry. Well, no. So it's the RLX first. Honda doesn't really have a major RLX competitor. Yeah, it's the Honda Accord. Well, no, because the TLX is the Accord. Uh, well, the, the because, RLX is kind of a stretched Accord. I think it's on the same platform, just a well, right. But I wouldn't call them a direct competitor. Yeah, I guess you. I guess direct competitors kind that of. That would that would be like saying that the Toyota Avalon is a competitor to the Toyota Camry. Yeah, they're built on the same platform, but they're different. And so the Avalon, and so like you get the Lexus LS is not a Camry competitor because it's yeah. too big. So um, I would I would disagree with you on the RLX. I'm not gonna say much about the TL um, <laughs> because you don't I, have. Uh, 
Don't get me started on that. I had it last year, and I was pissed off the whole week I the had TSX it. The TSX bike is awesome, though. Yeah, but I was like, seriously, this is an, an Acura, and this is $50,000, really? Come on. Um, so <laughs> we're going to jump on. We're going to – because, again, we're, we're running short yeah, on Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go. I'm going um, to go with the um, – Range Rover Autobiography, $140 billion edition, um, oh. as being, okay, you know what, it's nice, it has leather, it has TVs, it has whatever, it has great all-wheel drive system, but you can get almost all that in a Grand Cherokee for a third of the, a quarter of the price. Like, again, you can buy two Corvettes and a Wrangler for the price of that damn car. But can you really get the the equivalent of that, the 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 Grand Cherokee SRT8? Can you get that with all of those features? I don't think you can get it that loaded. Okay, but you don't need the SRT8. Yes, you do. If you're going to match it up against the autobiography that has like 500 and bazillion horsepower and hit right. 60 in 2.2 seconds or whatever. <laughs> right, but for the most part, what people who buy that car are looking for are lots of leather, lots of technology, lots of great off-road ability. And if you get a decked-out Grand Grand Cherokee Overland Edition or whatever that's not the SRT8, lots of technology, lots of TV screens, lots of all-wheel drive systems, lots of fanciness, all that sort of stuff, you just don't have quite as much power. I think it still has one of the Hemi V8s in it, just not the big, big Hemi V8. I don't know if you can get the – yeah, yeah, I think you can get the 5.7 still in the, in the, in the right. Overland. And, yeah. and, and, and that one's expensive. That's like fifty or $60,000, but you're still looking at less than half of the rangey. So mm-hmm. like that's – um, and then I'm going to say anything that Lincoln makes uh, <laughs> because the same problem that you run into with the Acuras, but uh, it's like even worse. Oh, wait, hold on. I, I have something here from uh, Holti. Acura needs to get their money back because designing that beak was very expensive, so they need to charge more for their cars. <laughs> yeah, the, the beak obviously adds like ten thousand bucks to a Honda sticker price. <laughs> well, you know what? He's probably right. They probably spent a lot of money on that design, and like, God, oh, this is terrible. We need to get it gone as soon as possible, so we're going to charge <laughs> a crap ton of money to pay for it, so we can just get rid of it. <laughs> Good catch there, Halty. Um, so yeah, like all of the Lincoln stuff. They don't – at least the Acuras look different compared to their Honda counterparts for the most that part. That is true. The Lincolns look exactly like Fords with a different grille on the nose. I mean, eh, freaking exactly. They did do a little – I think it's the MKT, the one that's based on the Flex. Yeah. Uh, that one looks different because it has that weird, creepy, slopey back instead of the flat back. But, like, otherwise, all of their cars, they are getting a little bit better with, like, the new MKS and stuff. But for the most part, they all looked exactly like their Ford counterparts. And when you got the really nice versions of the Fords, they had the exact same interior and equipment trim, sometimes even better on some of the Fords. Like, the Fusion was a lot better than the MKZ, whatever their small car was that Lincoln made. Like, it looked just like a Ford Fusion, but when you got the the high-end titanium Fusion, the Lincoln wasn't as well-equipped. And Ford was like five or six thousand dollars cheaper. Like it just makes no sense at all anywhere in the world. None. Well, that's um, why Lincoln is pretty much going down the crapper still. <laughs> I know. Like, if Ford wants Lincoln to survive, they need to suck it up and blow just a huge wad of money. Yeah, I mean they they've already separated. Through. They said, okay, we're gonna do this fancy thing, Lincoln Motor Company, and but they're still rebadged. Grill changed Fords. <laughs> well, you're right. What they what they need to do is kind of what Nissan did 
with in Infinity. They took a whole bunch of money. Like, okay, we're going to build an entirely new platform, and we're going to put it under all of these cars. We have this big rear-wheel drive platform, and they have the G37, and then they had the M, and then they made their SUVs, and they're all based on that same platform for the most part, except for the really, really big QX80 or whatever that's based on the Armada. But for the most part, they're all that same fancy rear-wheel drive platform that they created. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all had their own very, very unique design. It cost a fortune, but they actually created a brand. And that's what I think Ford needs to do with Lincoln. Just suck it up, drag a bunch of money out of the bank, and throw it at that brand if they want it to survive. New platforms, revised engines, completely original styling. It's going to cost a fortune. But, but once you get is... it done, you're done. And then most of your overhead is covered for the next 15, 20, 30 years as long yeah. as you're smart with your platforms. And the good thing is is uh, Lincoln already has a name that people can fall back on. It's not some new company that's startup. They actually have a name that can say, hey, look, we're Lincoln. We did this, 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 and this. So here's a new brand, an actual new brand. Oh, and by the way, just for reference, you can get the loaded out Jeep Grand Cherokee at 55165 with the See, Hemi. And, and that's got the 5.7 in it, right? Yeah, 5.7 Hemi. Or you can get the Eco Diesel too if you'd like. See, Eco Diesel! Come on! <laughs> What does that engine have? Like 395 pound feet of torque or something? Oh, something ridiculous like that. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, I've got 472 horsepower out of my supercharged V8. Yeah, but I have all the torque in the world and I get 35 miles to the gallon. Piss off. <laughs> <laughs> and it gets 30 miles per gallon on the highway. Yeah, no, it says 30 on the sticker. Again, I promise you, if you just pick one up, hit cruise at 70 miles an hour, and travel across this country, you're going to get 35 out of that thing. Because diesel. Yeah, people don't realize what they're missing when they when they skip diesels. They're not the rap tap ones from 20 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? Idling. <laughs> yeah, it's gone. All right, anyways, moving on. Okay. Uh, this is really a question that's that's for Mark, um, but he's not here. Um, he is the truckiest, I believe, of the bunch. I've yeah. got some truck experience. I've got some off-road experience. I believe you do too, Justin. But like, yep. Mark seems to have more truck in his blood than the rest of us. Um, but it's not for lack of trying. <laughs> uh, so this is Paul Green. Uh, he says, I know everybody likes to go fast and experience lots of Gs in the corners. Yeah. Uh, but a few years ago, I found out you can have a lot of fun even going really slow. Uh, he was invited to test drive a couple of Mitsubishis on an off-road course, and he says it was a lot of fun, mostly because I was sure I was going to roll over so many times. <laughs> he wants to know, did any of us ever go on a challenging off-road course? And if we did, could we share our thoughts about it? Um, I'll go ahead and start and say I have been in the passenger seat of a super crazy decked-out Jeep. Um, with Cooper two years ago. So when I did the Cooper Tires event where I tested their new tire and we had the little dry handling course and wet handling course, they they own like 400 acres there or something crazy like that. And they have this massive off-road course that they use to test their off-road tires. They're one of the number one off-road tire manu- man- manufacturers in the world. So uh, they put us in a bunch of modified cars and drove us around this course. Um, they've got, like, they have like a two-scale replica section of the Rubicon Trail, like, on their testing area. So like really cool, crazy, hardcore stuff. I didn't get to drive on it. Um, there is a really, really big, crazy, cool off-road uh, vehicle training center park place not too far from my house called Coal Creek, Coal 
Coal Creek OHV, um, and I haven't had the chance to go there yet, but um, I'm working on trying to get some of that stuff done. I've got lots of friends with scouts and jeeps and all that stuff, and they go up there on a frequent basis. So um, I love off-road rock climbing stuff. I've just not gotten to do too much of it other than the Cooper thing. So there's that. Yeah, for me, um, <laughs> my off-road experience uh, basically consists of being really stupid, really young, in cars that are not supposed to go off-road, but my idiotic friends decided to take them off-road anyway, and getting stuck and walking about 15 miles back home. I'll spare <laughs> you the greasy, nitty-gritty details, but I'll just say we hit a really big divot in a really big hole in a really small car. <laughs> yeah, Out in um, the middle of nowhere. I did used to do mild off-roading in my old pickup truck. So my first car was actually a pickup truck. I had a 1989 F-150, uh, two-door, long bed with the 5-liter 302 V8. Um, swallowed gas, made big noises, and went fast when I wanted it to. It was a great truck. Um, but between where I had to go to work and my house was a huge open field that they used as overflow parking for the county fair every year. And so if it was late enough in the evening, every time I'd drive home – because, I mean, it literally like 100 feet off of the main drag, but it was behind a big row of trees in a building. So I'm on my way home. I'd pull off, and I'd do donuts and, like, spin through this grassy <laughs> field. And then on the other side of the building and the trees, you get right back on the road. It's like a, It was slightly sloped, so it was like 100 feet onto the road, on, onto the field here, and like 150 feet off of the field. So I could get into it crazy, be a jerk, you know, for – 10 minutes or whatever, and then get back on the road and head and, and head home. And I did that almost every night that I worked worked late. <laughs> well, see, the thing is, you did yours in a Ford F-150. The last one I remember right. was in like a 1986 uh, uh, Dodge Shadow. <laughs> right, but again, and, and this, this was two-wheel drive on street tires, but it, this was also a fairly flat field, so yeah. I, I wasn't doing anything crazy. Um, all right, so there's, there's that. Oh, hey! <laughs> One of our fellow friends, Cyprian, has joined us. You may recognize his name from the site. He's now in the chat. I sure hope the folks over at Ford hear me. That's right, Ford. Please make cool cars. So, hi, Cyprian. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. We love you. Um, all right. Uh, we're going to move on to Own Drive Burn, and we're going to call – yeah, get to work. Uh, we're going to move on to Own Drive Burn and call this show done. Um, Own Drive Burn this week are three cars that some of you guys may have never heard of. Uh, well, you probably heard of one of them. But uh, we have a Tabant 601, we have a Pontiac Aztec, and we have a 2001 G-Wiz, the little Woo! tiny electric car. And this is, again, from Joey21, so thank you, Joey. Uh, this is from, I believe, two podcasts ago. Um, this is our last user-submitted own drive burn we have right now, so if you want to see some own drive burn stuff, make sure to drop them in the comments for this show so we can do them next week and the week after and the week after that. All right. Uh, Justin, we're going to let you go first. <laughs> okay. This one was kind of easy for me. Um, I'd want to drive the Taban 601 once just because it kind of reminds me of the BMW 2002. It's kind of a quirky vehicle, but it's it, it's kind of cool looking in its own little way. And and that two-cycle engine, I just want to give it a try. A 580-something CC two-cycle and four wheels just sounds awesome to me. <laughs> I just completely awesome. I don't know. I just want to thrash it for a little while. Um I would have to uh, own the Pontiac Aztec um, for as ridiculously ugly as it is. It is actually a pretty highly rated vehicle from anybody who actually has owned one. If you talk to someone that owns it, they're like, oh, my God, I love it. I love every second of owning this vehicle. Just blindfold me when I walk up to it, please. Um, I mean, with the all-wheel drive, they're actually pretty capable. 
Um, they have that quirky little tent you can use for camping. It's kind of it's a neat little addition. Uh, kind of weird, but it's neat. And there are plenty. Space. You can get one of those for the juke too. Nice. <laughs> and and they're actually they're very useful. They really are. They're ugly as sin, but Pontiac designed them. Or I'm sorry, GM designed them with a purpose, an exact purpose. We want a vehicle that families can use, but they can also take off-road in light conditions and use for camping and shove all their crap in the back and not be overwhelmed by a massive bulky SUV. Um, so that's pretty cool. I'd like to own one of those. Uh, and the G-Wiz, uh, I can say nothing but G-Wiz. Um, I just want to burn it. I want to burn it. I want to take that goofy-looking inflated roof. Looks like someone stuck a, a bicycle pump in the interior and just pumped it up a little bit too much. You know um, what I will help you with for the for the G Wiz? There is not a fireball big enough. <laughs> Thank you. That's kind of cool. You can get an electric model, but they all go 50 miles an hour, gasoline or electric, and they're just kind of strange looking. And I'd be afraid to get murdered in one if, like, maybe an ant walked on top of the car and maybe might collapse on top of me. I don't know. Um, so yeah, it's a really scary car. It just needs to burn and go away. <laughs> yep. All right. Um, I'm going to actually go with the exact same thing. Um, the G-Wiz can burn in a giant, massive pit. I will throw bombs on top of it after that. I will pee on the ashes, and then I will set what's left on fire again. And then I'll let my dogs go pee on it after that. Um, G-Wiz is a terrible, stupid car, and I don't like it. Um, I would drive the Tabon 601 once because, again, it is interesting and quirky and weird. But um, the only one on this that is even mildly practical, and like, and I qualify something like a Porsche Cayman as an incredibly practical vehicle, and still nothing on this list is even mildly practical except the Pontiac Aztec. <laughs> um, God, they are ugly as sin. Uh, I, they are kind of built like garbage. The interior quality is not that great, but they are practical. And they do have some cool features. I do like to camp. I like the like when I was younger, I wanted one simply because a tent you could put a tent on the back of it. Like I wanted one for that. Um, I like camping. I like being being out, outside. Um, you know, it's the only thing on this list that's even mildly feasible to drive all the time. So yeah, I would drive the Tabon 601 once. I would own a Pontiac Aztec, and I would burn and burn and burn and burn a G Wiz. Well, we'll get two of them together and have a big old G Wiz bonfire. <laughs> All right. Gosh dang it. We're at a minute and 13 seconds. We're way bad at this. All right. I'm sorry we went over an hour again, guys, but thank you for joining us. Um, again, this has been the topspeed.com podcast live. This was episode 17. We thank you for joining us. Uh, please leave us any questions, comments, or concerns you have. You can hit us down in the comments below. You can find the podcast itself on Twitter, uh, podcast at topspeed. Sorry, at topspeedpodcast is the Twitter handle. Um, if you follow us, we follow back. Uh, we like to hear hear from you guys. Um, you can reach us on email as well, uh, podcast at topspeed.com. And like I said, the comments below are a great place to reach us. Uh, we read every comment we, we get, and we comment back on a lot of them. So if you want to have a fun little con conversation with us, drop us a comment below, and we will start the conversation moving. Um, otherwise, thank you for joining us on this Thursday afternoon. Um, you can find me on Twitter if you want to talk to me directly at Moford. That is M-O-E-F-E-R-D. Uh, you can find Justin. Justin is at the Car Junkie. Uh, if Mark was here, you could find him at Mark McNabb. Um, otherwise, thank you guys so tremendously for joining us. And oh, let's see if I can make our outro music work. Let's see if I can get this to work this time. Um, oh, you know what? Because we got so many likes on it last week for my guitar playing skills. Uh...
G. <laughs> I was told it's going to be my first hit song, G. G. And then after that, I'm going to play D. It's my second hit song, D. So, anyways, we thank you guys for joining us. I don't have enough energy drink to continue with life, apparently. Um, but thank you for hanging out with us. We hope you guys have had a wonderful time. Hope you have a wonderful weekend. Please, if you're going to be going on any travels, do what you can to stay safe. And uh, as soon as the music plays, we'll be done, I think, if I can make it work. Goodbye, everybody.